We are in the full swing of Advent right now. So Julie and I came back from Scotland last Sunday evening and we found that our street had been pretty much completely transformed. I think maybe half the houses just have Christmas lights everywhere and it just made it such a nice, bright, welcoming place to come back to. And the same is true at work, that there's Christmas decorations everywhere and that all anyone can talk about is that Christmas is coming. That they count how many days is left till Christmas and then they only count work days, and then they subtract the Christmas dinners, and then suddenly they think, oh, Christmas is so soon, it's coming. And Christmas is coming, and we're all looking forward to the day. But for those of us in Christ, we look forward to celebrating Jesus, celebrating God, the creator of the universe, stepping into our world, humbling himself to being born as a baby, wrapped up and placed in that feeding trough. And it's really easy, actually, to become fixated on this baby in a manger. But we shouldn't miss the magnitude of what happens here. In the Christmas carol, it says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. So this Advent, as we're looking forward towards Christmas, at liberty we're not dwelling on Jesus as a baby, but on Jesus as king. A king is coming. A king has come. And last week, Neil took us through the first few verses of John chapter 1 and showed us that Jesus is the eternal king. And this morning, as we continue to work our way through John chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 4 to 9 and see that Jesus is the king of light. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles to John chapter 1, And we'll read together actually verses 1 to 9, and then I'll pray and we'll get stuck in. So that's page 886, if you have an ESV Bible, like one of the church Bibles. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us through your word, both in scripture and in the Logos, in Christ your Son. Jesus, we long to know you more and to worship you with all our lives. Let us see you more clearly and help us to love you more. Holy Spirit, would you transform us as we behold the glory of Christ this morning? Help us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we may have life in his name. Lord, we long for you to be glorified in us, So would you equip us this morning for that end? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
So here in these verses, we see that Jesus is heralded as the King of Light. And I'm going to unpack this in four points this morning. Firstly, that Jesus is the light of life, that it is his life that is the light of men. Second, that Jesus' light triumphs over darkness. Thirdly, that Jesus' light in us, so God chooses to display his light through his people. And finally, number four, Jesus is the light of the world. So Jesus is the light of life. So here at the start of his book in John, it's echoing the first words of the Bible from Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And I've got a bit of a memory test. Can anyone remember how does it begin there in Genesis chapter 1, the first words? In the beginning. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So John makes it really clear here in John chapter 1 that there in the beginning was the full triune Godhead, that the Logos, the Word, was with God and was God. That Jesus is the King who has always been God, through whom creation was brought into existence. And the next test, anyone remember what were the first words of God there in Genesis chapter 1? Let there be light. Yeah, that's right. That there in the beginning, God's creating word, his logos, the first creative act is light. And so of any single physical property that God created, light most reveals God's nature to us. It illuminates, <coughs> it warms, it comforts, we're drawn to it. And interestingly, there in the act of creation, the sun, moon, and stars are actually not made until the fourth day. And yet from the beginning, there was light. But in the beginning, the universe was lit by God himself. That Jesus there in the beginning was the source of light for the whole universe. He has forever been the king of light. And now this king of light was coming into the world that he created. If you look down to verse 14, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And don't miss how huge this is. That Jesus, the word, who was the lamp of the universe, came as a fully human baby to the world that he created. Verse 4, it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And now I'm not going to get into the fullness of what his life is, as glorious as that is, because Neil is going to bring that to us next week. But what does it mean that Jesus' life was the light of men? So Christ brings light because he reveals the fullness of the nature of God. Before Jesus' birth, God's people knew his character through the law and the words of the prophets. But these instructions, they were just shadows and types. That they were darkness without the light of Christ, without the life of Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that he, that is Jesus, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. This is really significant, that before God spoke by the prophets, but from this point onwards, after Jesus came into the world, God has spoken by his son. And Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. That Jesus shows us a full, perfect reflection of the Father, and we can know God by looking to Jesus. And he is, 
I love this. The radiance of the glory of God. That Jesus is like a beam of light. A radiant, shining beam of light that shines out to bring us and show us the brightness of God. That he radiates the fullness of God's attributes to us. In Jesus, we see God's love, his mercy, his power, his healing, his grace, his holiness, his splendor, his beauty, his glory. But all of these attributes and all of the ones that I couldn't mention here, that without Jesus, we would never be able to know them. And it's in the same way that a beam of sunshine pierces into a room like it does in this room. I love this room. It's great. There's so much glass and it lets so much light in. And when the sun is, uh, the winter sun, and it's low like it is right now, that a beam of light, it just shoots into here. It's doing a little bit like right now, but it's a little bit cloudy. But sometimes the fullness of it just shines right into the back and it's dazzling. And you know what? The sun is really far away. There's something like 90 million miles away. That's really, really far away. And if nothing was radiating out from it, we would hardly know that it was there. Because on the other hand, think of the massive planet Jupiter. How often does Jupiter make itself known in your life? Never, right? The sun is totally different. From the sun come shining beams of radiant energy. And when they burst into this room, the beam of light brings warmth on our skin, illumination for us to see. It's so nice and comforting and cozy when that happens. And that is what the life of Christ is like for us. If we know him, he's our illumination, our joy, our comfort. And don't miss out on that. If he is not yours, don't miss out on that. His life was the light of men. So secondly, light triumphs over darkness. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So if Jesus brings light to the world by revealing knowledge of God, by displaying goodness, truth and reality, then the opposite of this, the darkness, is the world of evil, unbelief, death and judgment. John 3.19 says, The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So darkness is the power of evil and unbelief. And I think of it like this. So my parents have a house in the south of France. And those of you who might have visited France know that all the buildings there have these shutters on it. And it's actually a law in France that all the buildings have to have these shutters because it's for more security and so on. But anyway, um, in my parents' house in France, we close the shutters at night because the other thing that they do is they're really good at blocking out light. But the problem is that they're actually probably a little bit too good at blocking out light. That they're made of thick, solid wood. They perfectly fit over the frame of the window. And when they're closed, it makes it really, really dark. And what happens when we're in France? is that we end up sleeping until midday every day. <laughs> and it's not that we go to bed late. We just end up sleeping for 12 or more hours every day. Because even when we wake up in the morning, it's still pitch black. There's no light at all. Even though it can be a bright, sunny, beautiful day outside, 
We just have no idea what is going on out there, and we just keep sleeping. You see, even though there is bright light, we shut it out, and we don't even know what time it is. And so even though the light of Christ is very bright, we all in rebellion against God close the shutters of our heart. And that's all of us. We've all gone to our own way and closed our eyes to the light that is in Jesus. And without Christ, we don't know what God is like. We don't see our sins for what they are. But the light of Christ, when it shines, shows us clear spiritual realities. We see that our sin is brokenness. We see that our sin is death. We see that our sin is darkness. We see that we deserve an eternal judgment for what we have done. It takes Jesus' broken body and the pouring out of his blood to make us clean. That's what we have right here at the front, a reminder that his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. And there in France, sometimes the only way that we can wake up is when my dad shouts, wake up! (laughs) So that's what I want to say to you this morning, wake up! Wake up and let the light of Christ shine into your life. So God's creation and the way that he's made light, it shows us some of what his nature is like. For for example, how much darkness does it take to put out one candle? Well, that's a stupid question, right? That's not how that works. Dark cannot put out light. That even the smallest candle lights up the darkness, and the darkness itself cannot extinguish the flame. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That Jesus dissipates the darkness of death. At the cross, it seemed like death and darkness had won, had overtaken Christ. But the light is the life of the Son of God. That the light is the life of the Son of God. There's another verse that we sing, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. They looked like darkness and death had overtaken Jesus, but he arose from the grave. His resurrection shows that death was defeated and darkness is not to be feared anymore. Because in Christ, there in Christ, we enter into his unquenchable light We enter into his unending life. The life of Jesus is the life of God. His life is eternal, unending, unstoppable, that no one could take his life. No one could take it, and yet he laid it aside. Brothers and sisters, he laid it aside for you. Isaiah prophesied about this coming servant in chapter 49 saying that I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And this is the message of Christmas. We often read this verse at Christmas, that the Jews were waiting for a servant who would be a light for the nations. They were waiting for one who would bring salvation and salvation to the ends of the earth. So come to the King of Light, He is able to save you from your sins. His name is Jesus. Even his name, Jesus, means God saves, 
because he saves his people from their sins. So thirdly, the light in us. So we're all born in the state of having the shutters of our heart closed up and locked down. But in his mercy and grace to us, even though we were blind to the light, God has shone the light of Christ into our dark, dead hearts. And this is the reality of things described in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you believe on Jesus, you are a new creation. That you may have the shutters of your heart closed up, but that's really no problem for him. That the power of God that created light in the beginning of the universe can make in you new light and new life. And in this way, to know, to really know the glory and light of Christ is to encounter the life-transforming glory of God. This new light transforms us. It transforms our desires. It transforms our lives. We no longer desire sin. We no longer desire those empty things. Instead, we desire the King of Light himself. So shining in us, the light of Christ shows up our sin so that we see it for what it truly is, so that we hate our sin instead of being enslaved to it. We never truly see what our lives are like until we see them in the light of Jesus. We can only hate our sin when it's properly illuminated. And at the same time, we see the beauty of Christ, that our hearts are transformed by seeing and knowing, as it said there, the light of the glory of God in Jesus Christ, that our heart that was dead and dark is now alive and loves God. And instead of hating the light, we love the light. Now there is nothing more beautiful than Jesus to us, that he is our shining mediator and way to the Father. When we are illuminated to this, Jesus becomes precious to us, that he's ours, he's our treasure. And even better than this, John, later in John, Jesus says, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. When you believe in Jesus, not only do you leave the darkness and enter the light, you actually join the family of light. You become children of light. That's the invitation for you this morning. Join the family of light. So finally, Jesus is the light of the world. Verse 9 says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So the very real light of Christ illuminates everyone. And yet, if you look down a bit further to verses 10 and 11, it says, the world did not know him, and his own people did not receive him. So how does this work? Jesus gives light to everyone, and yet the world did not know him. Well, let's think again about John chapter 3. I read verse 19 to you earlier, and I'll read 19 and 20. It says, the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, 
because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. So Jesus is light in all the ways that I've already talked about. Primarily that he reveals the exact nature and character of God to everyone who hears about him. But when the light shines, you either embrace the light and are made children of light, or you'll run from his revealing presence. You let the light in, or you run. Those are the options. Either hand your sin over to Jesus, or try to hide. But you can't hide from God. I tried it. It didn't work. That your wicked and evil thoughts and works will one day be dragged out into the light. There is no escaping the the light of Jesus. So for everyone, the light of Jesus can show things as they really are. I wonder, are you resisting coming to Christ? Is it because you love your sin too much? But instead, draw close to the light, see your sins, and put them to death. So now you might have noticed that I skipped over some verses in the middle of our passage. Because in verses 6 to 8, John's focus shifts suddenly from talking about Jesus to talking about John the Baptist. But he's making an important point here, which he connects to the light of the word. So in John's mind, receiving this light that overcomes the darkness is linked directly to being a witness of the light, that receiving leads to witness. If we have the light from God, then let us also be witnesses of the light. God's really surprising way of letting the light of Christ shine in the world is through human witnesses. That even for Jesus, when he was on the earth, God prepared the way for him by sending a witness of the light. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus even says to his followers, you, you are the light of the world. That Jesus' design is that his light be made visible by his people. So there are two ways that we display his light. Number one, we proclaim. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, actually Elizabeth read it at the beginning, we're told that we are made his so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to be witnesses of the marvelous light, proclaiming the excellencies of our king of light. And witnesses, what they do, they tell others about what they have seen. So if we have seen the light of Jesus, if we have received his joy, and if he is our treasure, then we should tell others about him, and in so doing, shine his light. So that's number one, we proclaim. Secondly, we live lives of light. So actually, right after that, when, uh, in, on the sermon on, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, he then goes on to say, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So when we have this light in us, along with a transformed heart, which means transformed desires, the result will be a transformed life. And as we live in this transformed way, primarily of loving God and loving one another, 
the light of this should and will shine before others. And the aim, the aim is not praise for our light. No, not at all. But that we would give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The primary aim is that the light of our lives, the light that is from Jesus, would cause others to give glory to the Father. Isn't that what we want? And so we live lives of light. So in the same way that John was sent by God as a witness of the light, so that all might believe through him, let us be witnesses of the light that all might believe through us. So, firstly, Jesus is the light of life. Second, Jesus' light triumphs over darkness. Thirdly, Jesus is the light in us. And four, Jesus is the light of the world. So Jesus is the everlasting king of light. He has conquered darkness, death, (coughs) and spiritual blindness, and he lights those who believe in him and receive him. At his appearing at the birth of Jesus, we read in Luke chapter 2 that the shepherds to whom the angels were announcing the news, um, that the glory of the Lord shone around them. You see, Jesus' arrival was accompanied with an announcement of light, that Jesus is and has always been the king of light. And in the same way that the king of light was the source of light in the very beginning at the creation of the universe, so the final city will be lit by his glory. Jesus the Lamb will be its lamp. That's what we read in Revelation. And the reality of eternity is that you will either be a child of light in the new city lit by the glory of Jesus, or you'll be cast into outer darkness for refusing to let go of your darkness. So take care then to come to the King of Light. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you have shone in the darkness. Thank you that you did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but that you humbled yourself, even to the point of death on a cross. Thank you that you have revealed to us the fullness of the radiance of the glory of God. And thank you that you have made a way for us to approach the throne of light. Thank you for dying the death that we deserve. And all praise and glory be to you forever that you rose again and have defeated darkness and death. Thank you for those of us that are yours, that you have pulled us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to your kingdom of light. Holy Spirit, thank you for the new life that you have shone into our hearts. Thank you that you give us new desires and that we can now treasure Jesus, our King. Father, we long for your glory. Would you make us to shine brightly in our lives and in our witness so that more people would know and declare your glory? Father, make us light to Lark Lane. Make us light to our friends and family. Help us to tell them the good news of light this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, Mark. We're going to carry on in our worship by sharing.
uh, this meal together. Uh, at the end of Luke's Gospel, you read an account of uh, Jesus sharing the Last Supper with his disciples. And this is what he says. Luke says that Jesus took bread and he gives thanks for it and he breaks it and he says to them, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes the cup after they've eaten the bread and he says this, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. A promise that Jesus gives to his people. A promise of a covenant promise of a promise that he will make a way where his people can enjoy forgiveness of their sins through his broken body and his shed blood the next day you see jesus walk to the cross suffer the cruelest of deaths and this is what luke says in luke chapter 23 jesus is hanging on the cross and he says it was now about the sixth hour which is about midday And there was darkness over the whole land until it was the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. Darkness is a sign of judgment. Jesus hangs on the cross as his body is broken and his blood is shed. The judgment that is due for our sin isn't poured out on us, but it's poured out on Jesus, the Son of God. The King who comes to bring us. So we take this meal in remembrance of Jesus' death for us. A death that absorbed our judgment, absorbed the, the punishment that was due for us. But we also take it as a celebration. Luke goes on and says three days later, Jesus rose again at dawn. At dawn, at daybreak. They, they, they go to find his dead body and he's not there. That is a wonderful, wonderful confirmation that Jesus has defeated death. That he has defeated our sin. That he has defeated Satan. And he promises life for all of those who believe. So if you believe in Jesus, if he is your king, if you believe that he has shone the light of his glory into your dark heart and made your heart turn from stone to flesh, then please come and share this meal. The way that we take communion is if you just come to the front, uh, take of the bread, take of the juice and the wine. And then just return to your seat. Before you do that, just spend a moment where you are. In confession and repentance. Remembering of your sin. Remembering of the, all of the ways that you have lived this week. In opposition to God. And then give thanks for the cross. Give thanks for his death. Give thanks for his life. And give thanks for his resurrection. And the gift of the Holy Spirit which he gives us now. To confirm in us that our sins have been forgiven. He's brought us into his body. So let me give thanks, and then when you're ready, come to the front, take of the meal, and then when we're done, um, we'll sing a couple of songs to close. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the great news that you are king, that you are right now ruling and reigning with all authority. We thank you that you have come as a king of light to shine light on the darkness of our heart and the over the darkness of this world. And we thank you that you did that through your perfect life. We thank you that as you hung on the cross and you suffered the cruelest of deaths, that that death accomplished the means and the way for us to be brought into the light. That you defeated sin, you defeated our great enemy, Satan. And through your death and your resurrection, you have brought us newness of life. 
and you've deposited in us your Holy Spirit. So we thank you that for those of us who are yours, we can come before you now in confession and repentance of our sin, knowing that we no longer remain in darkness, but our sins have been forgiven. The weight and the penalty of our sin has been removed. And we are now people of light, in a kingdom of light, serving a king of light. Jesus, we give you all of the glory, all of the praise. Help us now as we confess. Would your Holy Spirit just shine shine a light again to dark areas of our heart? And would he lead us to be able to rest in, in the knowledge and the peace that you have defeated those sins? Would you give us peace and comfort where it is needed? And would you help us to care for one another? If it's right for us to pray and just to share this meal together, then just give us discernment of of who and where uh, to do that this morning. So Jesus, we thank you for this meal. We thank you for all that it causes us to remember. And it's in your name that we pray.